for Liberia and really in Ponkante, the children are facing serious problems with their health, especially when it comes to malaria. Malaria, anemia, and pneumonia. Malnutrition too is one of the things because most of the communities don't have clinics. And even if clinic, clinics are there, they don't have the, the child, parents don't have money to pay for their treatments. Bangui is four and a half to five hours drive in a taxi from um, where we are to ELW Hospital. And the transportation is expensive. It's not always reliable. Right now we have a little two-year-old boy surprise. He is very malnourished. And we have been trying to encourage the mom to carry him to the program at Elwa Hospital there for malnourished children. But some of the problems that she has is she's a single mom. She doesn't have anyone to look after her kids. While she goes, she doesn't have the money for transport and then she would be in the hospital for a couple of weeks. So there's just, she's just not able to do it. And I am so glad to be with you this morning. Uh, for those that I've yet to meet, my name's Andy. I serve as one of the pastors here along with Pastor Ann. And uh, the video that you were supposed to see, and hopefully you might be able to see the second part a little bit later, is about a ministry that's been on my heart and been introduced to me by a friend of mine, another pastor, Andy Postel. Uh, Andy and Claire live over in the Cartersville area. They have two kids of their own. Latham is also a pastor, uh, a GMC pastor at this point. He's ordained uh, two weeks ago with Ann. Uh, our own pastor and um, serves over at Sam Jones Methodist Church. And uh, Andy is uh, background is kind of like mine. He he didn't start out in ministry, but God wouldn't let him go. He knew that that's where God was calling him. Uh, so he he answered that call later in life. Uh, he has been a church planter. He has mm. been at a number of churches. Uh, he is now an ordained elder in the GMC tradition, and um, but he is serving actively with Live Twenty Five Forty Ministry. And that's what that video was about. And um, so we wanted to invite him in today to share with you about the global outlook of mission and ministry and something that's near and dear to his heart, something that he's actively a part of. And so, Andy, I want to welcome you up here to share with us today. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to start with Scripture. And so if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn to the book of Second Peter. Uh, and we're going to be reading Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, and I'm going to read to you verses 3 through 9. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." 
Would you pray with me? Most gracious God, we thank you for this day. You created it. And all the possibilities that come with it. And so, Lord, as we go into this time, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be upon this room. I pray, Lord, for you to work in our hearts. I know, Lord, that I have a message that I believe comes from you. But the reality is, if you need to go around these words, Lord, just speak into our hearts this morning. May we experience you in this place. May we be different. We can't help but be different when we experience you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So these words that Peter give is given to the church. If you go back and look at the very beginning of that text, uh, the very first couple of verses, it's going to say this, that these are written to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith. So he's speaking... To us, if you proclaim Jesus Christ today as Lord and Savior of your life, these words are written to you. These words are written to us, the church. And what it says is make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. So the first thing that I think of when I read that, so is Peter suggesting to us that faith is somehow connected to what we do? I mean, are we really reading a text that maybe you could read and think, okay, so maybe it's going to move us a little closer to works righteousness? Absolutely not. Because you've got to go back to realize that what he says earlier is that he's writing to people who have already received faith. These are people who have already received the promises of God. And the promises of God allow you to escape the corruption of the world that we live in. Like, just to hear that, I want you to pause and think about that. It allows you, the promises of God, we receive faith, it allows you to escape the corruption of the world that you live in. Like, every single one of you should be shouting amen. Like literally, say amen to that. You, we, that should excite us that we escape the corruption of the world. I mean, God has provided that to us. But Peter seems to know our tendency. So the passage says, so for this very reason, the promises are given to you. You escape the corruption of this world. So for this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. In other words, because you understand you're blessed. So Doug, in your prayer, we're blessed. We're blessed as a church. Because you understand that you're blessed... You have a responsibility, church. Because you're blessed, you have a responsibility. The language that I hear and see in the church is you have a responsibility to make room. To create a space for others. To make every effort to add goodness and knowledge 
and self-control. And Peter reminds us that if you don't, if you don't see increasing measures of this in your life, the tendency of his words, at least, is that we're going to become unproductive and ineffective for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I just ask you to think about, is it possible that God knows us just a little bit better than we know ourselves? The tendencies we may have. I think God is using 2 Peter to teach us something, that we will have a tendency to always make this life about us. How will it affect me? What is that going to do to my family? What's the implications of that and how that's going to play out in my life? Now, as Andy said, I, I planted a church many years ago in Cartersville, and when I planted it, it was designed to, to reach a younger demographic. And so I preached in jeans. Now, I'm just going to tell you, Andy was in jeans this morning. I said, see, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about this in my sermon. But, but my mother was appalled. Uh, and so she didn't live in the town that my church was in. So she came up every once in a while. And if, I, I won't be able to pull this off the way if you know my mother. But she would come to church occasionally and she would walk in and she would see me in my jeans. And this is what she would do. Hmm. And it was this, it was just, she didn't have to say anything. She just, I just knew that she was completely upset the fact that I was trying to preach in jeans. And then later she would be like, do you have any khakis? Do you have a suit? I mean, could you wear something? And, and so I, I, every time she would come, it was the same exact. And I can, I can joke with her now about this, but, but, but we would talk. And so one day I said, Mother, I want you, the next time you come to church, here's what I want you to do. Is I just want you to look around. And I just want you to see these young families that a lot of them don't have suits. Not because they don't have the money to have a suit, but because they don't have a job that requires them to have a suit anymore. And they don't have, and their kids, they're spending their money on their kids playing baseball and soccer. And so they're not going to go and get these dress clothes for these kids to come to church just specifically for that. So I just want you to look around and see it from somebody else's perspective. And it, it didn't make any difference. <laughs> for a few years. But then one year, my mother brought me one of the greatest gifts, which was she bought me Easter jeans. <laughs> and she told me, she said, I finally see what you're talking about. Because in my church, there's not any young people. And I desperately am praying for the church for the next generation. See, we have this tendency To make things about ourselves. And God is using Peter to say to us. Listen. In the kingdom of God. The focus is on other people. I I want you all to do something for me. That I heard when you said you you, you led what your focus was. Y'all had three points to your focus. Right. That y'all pray. Tell me the first one. Sharing hope. Okay. What's the second one? Living with purpose. And then what's the third? For the sake of others. See, here's the reality is sometimes we stop at living with a purpose. We stop with, we're going to share hope. We're living with a purpose. 
And we forget it's for the sake of others. I mean, Abraham, go back and look at the stories in Scripture. Abraham is blessed. The Scriptures are very clear that Abraham is blessed for a purpose. What is his purpose? To bless others. Right? That's what his purpose is. Paul tells us that if we're going to put death to our nature, that we are to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility. It's about other people over and over again. That's what we see through Scripture. That in the kingdom of God, we the church, we the people of God, are going to put a focus on other people and not ourselves. But let me ask you a question. You might even say yes to all of that. Do you find that easy? Do you? I I do not think that that's a super easy job for any of us to do. But scripture offers us wisdom. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 55. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. Isaiah is speaking to the people of God and the people of God. They're they're listening to other gods. They're listening to other voices. And God is using the prophet Isaiah to remind them and to invite them back into a relationship with him. And when you see repetitive words in any passage of scripture, pay attention to what they are. What do you see Isaiah saying? Listen. Listen, church, listen to what is good. He's not yelling at the church. He's not even reprimanding the church. He is inviting the church to listen to God. If you want to clothe yourself with compassion, if you want to clothe yourself with kindness and with humility, if you want to put an end to your, to your, to your earthly nature, one of the things that God invites us to do is to listen to him. It's the only way you're ever going to accomplish overcoming those big waves is listen. Listen to him. The problem is we are listening to other voices. We're listening to what other people say. We give credence to what other things other people are saying about us rather than listening to the voice of God. God is inviting us to listen to him. Listen to his promises, and it will help you overcome the voice of the enemy. Listen to his voice, and it will help you overcome. So let me suggest to you this rhythm that we see in Scripture. And I want you all to say this. So listen, respond. Listen, respond. That's what you see. Think about the creation story. I mean, just think about it. When God says, let there be light, what happens? There's light. You can see in the way that God works. There's this rhythm that he encourages us to live. It's this pattern that we are called to do, that we are to listen and we are to respond. That's what worship is all about. It's listen and respond. You know the story of Habakkuk. Habakkuk in scripture tells us that we are to praise God. And the word that he uses says we are to praise God before God acts. We are to praise God for who God is, not what God does. If you think about just history of, and and you may not like this, but the history of Methodism, you know, John Wesley, one of the powerful experiences he had was with when he was with the Moravians and he was in a boat and the waves were crashing in. And, and he saw the Moravians. I mean, like, Wesley was scared and 
He saw the Moravians in the midst of the storm just praising God, just giving God praise. And it, it threw him off. Why could they have? And what he came to realize is they were praising God for who God is. God is power. God is might. God is provider. It's not about necessarily what God does for you. I would argue to you that one of the greatest spiritual disciplines we the church could get back to is listening to the voice of God over other voices. How do you do that? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, we can demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I don't know how researchers know this, but researchers say that we have 60,000 thoughts every day. Now, somebody want to take a guess how many of those are negative? How many? 60 Just give me a percentage. What do you think? Half. 50% of negative thoughts. Anybody else? 80%. Man, you're dead on. 48,000 of your 60,000 thoughts are negative every single day. And I don't care what you do. I don't know what, what you do for a living, what you did when you before you retired. But the truth is, all of us probably can attest to that. That we have more negative thoughts than we have positive. The battle is within us. Now, I, I'm not your preacher, so I can say this because your other preachers may not say this. But here's the reality is, we can preach a sermon... Andy or Ann could stand up here and preach the sermon of their life, and they could go to that back door, and every single one of you could walk to past them and tell them this was life-transforming. I mean, I'm never going to be any different. I'm going to be never going to be the same because of what your sermon. And one person says something negative, and on the way home, they're focused on that negative voice. That's what they heard. I had a gentleman, I, I preached that one time at a sermon at church I was at. And so if he ever didn't like my sermon, he would come by and he'd go, nice tie. And so I knew, I knew that when he said nice tie, but he didn't say anything bad. So it was okay. But, but that's the reality. We just, no matter who we are, we focus on the negative. Isaiah says to us, listen to what is good. Listen to what is good and you will live. Sometimes the enemy tells you that what you have done is so bad, you can't be forgiven. And there could be somebody in this room or somebody in your family, that's, that's what they hear is, I can't be forgiven. The word tells us that God is faithful and God is just. And if you will confess your sins, the word tells us that God will forgive you. Listen to the voice of God. And respond. Some of you are going through a circumstance and you're like, you know what? I I can't tell anybody. I am all alone. But yet the word of God says, you're never alone. He will never leave you. What voice are you listening to? The word of God says that he has put you together in this community of faith. And your role is to build each other up and to encourage each other. That's what the body of Christ is all about. Listen to what the word of God says. There's some of you that may want to try something and you're like, I can't do it. I just don't think it's possible. The word says that with Christ, all things are possible. Who are you listening to? Listen and respond. Listen, I, I, I don't even try to get rid of the negative thoughts. I try to do what the Bible tells us to do. And Paul says this in Philippians. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true... 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's keeping your mind heavenly. It's the discipline of listening and responding that helps us grow in our godliness so that we can stand on the promises of God, but then we can grow in our faith by adding self-control and perseverance and love. How do you do that? So I just wanted to share with you, I I tell people in any church I've ever served, my sermons often are just written for me. Um, It's my conversation with God, and I just let other people listen. So I'm just going to share with you a little bit about how that works in my life. Um, And so to do that, I need to tell you just a little bit about Live 2540. So Live 2540 is the mission organization that I work for. Um, We are focused on ending malnourishment in parts of the world. We're based on the passage of Live 2540, Matthew 2540, where it says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And we want to encourage people to live out Matthew 2540. Focus on other people. Our primary work, we work in lots of different places. So we work in Sierra Leone, Burkina Faso. Uh, We work in the Philippines, uh, Ecuador, But our primary emphasis is in Liberia. And this mission started in the church plant that we started back in Cartersville in 2008. Um, One gentleman went to Liberia and saw something that broke his heart because he knew it broke God's heart. And he came back and said, I'm going to do something about it. 67 kids living in an orphanage. And so we started working to end the problem of malnourishment in Liberia. Now, we work in four different areas, so I'll just kind of give you those so you kind of get a feel for the ministry itself. We primarily work with food insecurities. We work with health care. We work with discipleship, and we work with education. So these are our four primary roles that we kind of focus on. And we started out as food distribution, meaning that we started out as food drops. We would drop food into the orphanages and uh, provide uh, three meals a day for the orphans in that, that, that lived in that orphanage with 67 kids. It's grown over the last 15 years. We now feed 1,200 orphans three meals a day every day. So the last week of every month, we have this mass amount of food that gets distributed all over the country of Liberia from the warehouses that we have there in order for them to be able to have food. But what we realized was that that was not going to end malnourishment. If you had seen the video that we said, 44% of all children under the age of five are severely malnourished in Liberia. And, and what I mean by that is that they're within hours or days of dying. 44% of all children under the age of five. We can't solve that problem by just feeding 1,200 kids a day. And so we began to start partnering with the healthcare system. So we moved into medical care as part of our emphasis. And what we came to realize was that there was a malnutrition ward in the hospital that was in Monrovia. Um, and, and to put it in context for you that you may remember, do you remember the Ebola crisis? Uh, before COVID Ebola, the hospital that you kept seeing on the, on the news that was the center of the Ebola crisis was the hospital that we're talking about in Monrovia. It's called the Elwa Hospital. And they had a malnutrition ward, but they had no medicine 
And they had no food. They had no way to be able to treat the children that would come to them. And so they began to partner with us, and we began to provide food and medicine for them to be able to treat uh, the children that come there. We now treat about 20,000, bless you, uh, we now treat about 20,000 children every year uh, in the Elwa Hospital. Uh, and so these kids come in, they have uh, malaria, they have tuberculosis, they have lots of other diseases in addition to malnutrition. Um, but we uh, provide the food that gets them back up, their organs go in, and we treat the other diseases, and they're restored to health. Um, But what we came to realize is the problem there um, is that most people in Liberia cannot get to the Monrovia Hospital. So there are people that live about three to four hours away um, that have never had access to health care. Eighty-eight percent of Liberia has no power. Uh, Their road system is is atrocious. Um, And so they literally just can't get there. So if their child is dying... They cannot get to the hospital in order to be able to treat them, and so they die. Um, So the doctor told us the greatest thing we could do would be is to build a new hospital. And so that's what we're doing. We're building a new hospital in the bush of Liberia for people who have never had access to health care. And our expectation is that we'll see around 30,000 children per year at this hospital. Um, And... You may think that number, we're not just making it up, but since we've been building the hospital, it won't open until the uh, October, November of this year, um, but since we've been building it, we've already treated 11,000 children um, because they heard that there's a doctor coming, and so they show up. And so we had to build a little clinic uh, to be able to start taking in children um, uh, to, to be able to care for them. And so <laughs> the magnitude of the problem um, is is enormous and so our effort and goal is to save every single one of them and so i go out and talk to churches uh, and groups like you to be able to one make you aware of what's happening uh, in other parts of the world Uh, and then also to help you understand that there's a solution Uh, you've got a pretty smart group of people what's the solution to malnutrition See, it's not rocket science, right? I mean, we know that we just need to get them food. Uh, and so the solution is how do we get food to them? Uh, and so it's through a collective effort for us. Now, how does this tie in to my sermon? I know by nature that I am a greedy person. I know that I can be selfish. And I know that I'm going to have the same tendency that we see Peter talking about is that I'm going to look at how things are going to affect me and my family. So many years ago, when we began to develop this ministry, we made a collective effort as a family that we were going to support Live 2540. Um, And it has been life-changing for my family. Because my two children, they make decisions based on the needs of others. I'll give you a great example. Yesterday, we were moving my daughter into college. And she's going to Young Harris for her third year. 
And so we spent all day. I mean, if you've ever had a daughter go to college, it's so different than a boy. Because, I mean, you've got to have every picture right and all the flowers, all this different decor stuff. So it, we spent all of this time getting this done. And so at the end of the day, we were so hungry. And so we decided we would go to Chick-fil-A, me, my wife, my daughter, and her boyfriend. And so we went to Chick-fil-A. Uh, and we're sitting there eating lunch, and I, I said, and Andy will laugh at this, so I said at the end of the lunch, who wants a milkshake? Um, you can tell I, I enjoy ice cream. Uh, and so uh, I said, who wants to get a milkshake? It's hot. We'll get a kind of refreshing milkshake. And I was expecting this chorus of yes. And my daughter looked at me, and she said, for the price of four milkshakes, uh, we can save one kid um, And in Liberia. And I'm like... You're right. Uh, but the point of that was that she was recognizing what the, what the focus of other people are about. Here's the thing that's it's mind-boggling to people is that to save a child in Liberia that comes in hours away from dying, to restore them, meaning to heal and cure the, the malaria or the tuberculosis or whatever other disease they have and to restore them to health costs $15. Not like $15 every day. $15 total for three weeks in the hospital uh, to get all the medicines that you need and to get all the food that you're going to need. $15. And so my family, over the course of the last... 15 years, we've just really begun to adopt this idea of allowing this to guide us to always be cognizant of other people. You may have another way to do it, and that's great, but if you don't, the scriptures are very clear that our tendency is going to be to make it about ourselves. And so a ministry like Live 2540 can help you think, okay, this is a way, so every month when that money comes out... We acknowledge it because we have saved so many kids based on that. And so I just invite you to think about how do you listen to what God says and then how do you respond? And I'm going to give you an opportunity today as the service is over when you leave. One of the ways we do that is we sell t-shirts. Every t-shirt, every t-shirt you buy saves one person's life. Now, my family, we all have these T-shirts. We wear them all the time. But every T-shirt, one child is different. One child is saved. We have ways that you can give $15 per month, and that means you save 12 kids every year. I just want you to think about That's the collective part of the room. Imagine if 10 families did that. 12 kids, 120 kids every year. That's 120 kids that are going to grow up. They're going to, like... Have families. They're going to live the way that we want our children and grandchildren to live. With a little bit of sacrifice, we can make a difference. One young boy that was in the orphanage started when he was five years old. We've fed him. We've worked with him on his health care. We've put him through school. He's now the principal of the school that the orphanage that he grew up in uh, runs all because of the ministry of live 2540 we're making a difference and we just invite you to listen to the holy spirit and to respond what god says people to the church you're blessed 
but you're blessed to be a blessing. You can do that locally, but we can also do that across the world. Would you pray with me? Most gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, we pray for these children. That today, don't know where their meal's coming from. I pray for their families that are looking for answers that they don't have a solution to. But you created the solution. It's your church. Help us to learn that we can live with a purpose, that we can share hope, but that we can do that for the sake of others. We give you praise today, and we give you glory. May we continue to do every effort, make every effort we can to make room. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been working in Bond County uh, since 2008. Uh, it's, a, it's a highly impoverished area. Uh, it's densely populated, and there's very little access uh, to health care there. Uh, so the time has come uh, for us uh, to, to offer a solution to that problem. And that solution is building a clinic. Uh, that solution is supplying a clinic uh, with, with medicines that are needed. Um, and that solution is staffing uh, this clinic uh, with the proper personnel, doctors, PAs, nurses. Um, that is the answer uh, for many. The name of our medical clinic will be the Jesus Loves Me Children's Medical Clinic. Imagine children who are sick on the way to seek help and someone says, where are you going? And they say, I'm going to Jesus Loves Me. The heart behind everything that we do is to show the love of Jesus Christ by taking care of the physical needs of children that that would have been left unmet 